I'll be reading to you this morning from Psalm 80, verses 1 through 7. Shepherd of Israel, you, the one who leads Joseph as if he were a sheep, you who are enthroned upon the winged heavenly creatures, show yourself before Ephraim, Benjamin, and Manasseh. Wake up your power. Come to save us. Restore us, God. Make your face shine so that we can be saved. Lord God of heavenly forces, how long will you fume against your people's prayer? You've fed them bread made of tears. You've given them tears to drink three times over. You've put us at odds with our neighbors. Our enemies make fun of us. Restore us, God of heavenly forces, Make your face shine so that we can be saved. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Mary. Does anybody have any, a tacky sweater, a tacky Christmas sweater in their closet? Anybody? You're proud of it, right? Why don't you throw it away? It's what? It's fun. That's right. Don't ever waste a tacky sweater. That's right. All my sw- I, don't, I don't know that I have a tacky sweater. I probably do have a tacky sweater. I just don't realize it. Um, <laughs> no doubt. Well, tis the season, right? We are marching in through the month of December. We are headed, journeying together as a church and as families toward that stable in Bethlehem. It's a very sacred, very important uh, time in our lives, and it's, it's something, um, it's, it's also a great opportunity. Um, Advent's kind of been misunderstood, and it's, it's easy to misunderstand Advent or really to not know what Advent means, but uh, Advent simply means coming, coming of Christ. Prepare Him room. It's a time to prepare for the coming of Christ. It means that we're not going to get a whole lot out of Christmas if we don't prepare him room, if we don't pray, if we don't worship, there are actually two really good Advent words that I want you to get used to. And I hope you hear them a lot in, through the month of December as we get to uh, Christmas Eve. That is, behold and beware. Behold and beware. Behold, what, what, I mean, I know it's kind of a fancy word, but what, what, what do you think behold means? Take it in. Look at it. Look. Behold. Right? Open yourself up to the moment, this beautiful moment of grace. And a lot of our beholds are fleeting. They're fast. The window opens and it closes. And we can miss a lot of beholds if we don't watch it, if we're not prepared. The other one is beware. What does beware mean? Watch out. Watch out. we got to be awake. And part of what we're going to be doing as, uh, as we go through this series, it's a short in this series, is, is we're going to let the Psalms guide us. The Psalms are the prayer book uh, of Israel. These, these books, they're, they're prayers. They're powerful prayers. There are a lot of them. And so we're going, to, we're going to look at these Advent Psalms, and we're going to see how they might can lead us a little bit better to the stable so we don't miss that at the end. And what I've learned about the Psalms is this. There are a lot of tacky prayers in the Psalms. 
So beware when you read it. They don't sound religious. They don't sound all that reverent. They don't sound very good. So it may threaten some of you who think, you know, you have to put on your God voice to talk to God. Or if the prayer has got to be eloquent and beautiful, then you're not going to like the Psalms. I can tell you that. But if you struggle sometimes with tacky prayers of your own, you're going to love the raw honesty of the Psalms. So we're going to talk a little bit about the tacky prayers of our Psalms today. And today it's, it's Psalm, uh, Psalm 80. It's Psalm 80. It was written in a time of deep, deep despair when Israel, the northern kingdom, was being seized and attacked and conquered by Assyria. It was written in a terrible, terrible time. And um, it was probably an occasion for a lot of tacky prayers of people. And this is one of them. I mean, listen to these words. You, O Lord, have fed your people with the bread of tears. We're eating tears, God, and it's because of you is what it says. Whoa. You make us the scorn of our neighbors. You, God, make us the scorn of our neighbors. Our enemies laugh at us. How long, O Lord, are you going to be angry? Please turn, God. Have you ever prayed a prayer like that? I'd be scared to, but I'm glad it's in there. It gives me permission to. Because... Prayers like this are the best and most powerful prayers I've ever heard. Prayers that start with anger, you see, it's a good way to start sometimes. If you got it, get it out of your heart, get it off your chest, and start with anger if you got to. Because the first step in our Advent prayers and following, following our, these Advent Psalms to the stable is to be honest. It's to be honest. Prayer is not about being eloquent or being fancy. Prayer is about giving our honest to God selves to God so that we can be uh, fully there. So great prayers start off salty. Tacky prayers can work miracles. Sharing your anger with God, even at God, can be a wonderful starting point. Psalm 80 says, go for it. Y'all remember Moses? He had a really tacky prayer in Deuteronomy 5. Moses was about to die. And he wasn't going to get into the promised land. And so right in front of God and the whole congregation of Israel, Moses has one of those knockdown dragouts with God. God, you tricked me. You led me down a wrong path. I don't understand, God, why you're doing this. And he went on and on and on. And he just gave God the right act. He certainly did. And it was in front of all of Israel. And then, and then Moses died. The old rabbis said that the reason Moses did this was to show and to model the people of Israel that you can give God your anger. You can give God your frustrations, your hurts and disappointments. In fact, you should. Because if you don't, you're not giving God all of your heart. Which, the old rabbis say, is exactly why the greatest quote in all the Bible, really according to Jesus Christ, is found right there after that knockdown drag out. Hey, Jesus, they said, what's the greatest commandment? And what does he say? Love the Lord your God with all your heart and mind and soul and strength. And he, and he tacks on love your neighbor as yourself from another part of the Old Testament, right? But Jesus quotes from Moses right after 
his worst argument with God. What do you do with your tacky prayers? Where do you go when you're angry about the way the world is working? Macro? Micro? Family? Where do you take it? The Bible gives you permission to share that with God. In fact, the Bible says that if you're withholding that, you're not giving God all your heart. Friends, if some things don't make us angry in this world, we just don't have a pulse, right? Show, up, show that picture, Daniel, that I saw on Facebook not too long ago. It says, and this was in front of a bookstore. Post-apocalyptic fiction has been moved to our current affairs section, right? I mean, that's what it feels like. This world feels like it's broken in a thousand pieces. Now, I know there's a lot of good in this world, and I don't want to let go of that. But I do not want to put my head in the sand. And I do not want to allow my denial of that. I don't want to deny the reality that there are some people that are hurting. That there are a lot of places that need love in this world and we're not getting it. And it's not being shared. And that should concern us. And friends, that should make us angry. Anger is a God-given emotion. It was given to you by God Almighty who gets angry from time to time as well about the way people treat each other. You see, angry is not bad, not a negative thing. Jesus got angry, right? Kicked over a few tables. He took on some of his opponents who were very self-righteous, right? Who didn't like those tacky prayers, right? He did that. Jesus did that because he knew that anger could lead to good things. You see, when we withhold anger, that's when it turns into something that can destroy us. When we hold on to our anger and don't give it to God, it turns into resentment, which is a powerful, powerful force that works against us. Sherry Felder, the late Sherry Felder, she was married to Bert. Sherry and Bert were at my last church, and they were just a delight. Sherry fought cancer for years and for years, and, uh, she, but she got a good prognosis and uh, everything uh, seemed to be going well um, until she got a very discouraging report back from her doctor. When I talked to Sherry, I said, Sherry, what do you want me to pray for? How are we going to pray this through? You tell me, Sherry. She said, well, Bruce, I don't like the word battle. Don't get up there and tell everybody I'm battling with something. Yeah, I just don't like all that word, all that stuff. It's eh, you know. Um, well, how do you want me to describe it, Sherry? Say it's a dance. I'm dancing with it. Okay, Sherry, that's good. However, about a month later, when she got another discouraging report, she tapped me on the shoulder before worship and she said, I think I'm ready to battle. I'm gonna kick its tail. And she didn't use that word, by the way. But you get the point, right? And I think that energy that she had when she came up to me, she used it for good. She used it so that she might more freely, when she released it, she might free, more freely love God and love her neighbor as herself, which is what we're called to do. You know, the psalmist in Psalm 80, the context is, is you know, they were being conquered by... Assyria, and I mean, I hope we never get conquered by an army, right? But we're getting invaded by all kinds of things right now. We need to be aware of that. Greed, 
selfishness, judgmentalism, um, rage, violence, all these things that we need to let go of. We need to prepare, we need to prepare him room. One more thing, and here's the good news it is. It said, it says, um, restore us, O Lord, and make your face to shine upon us and save us. Like I said, I'm praying that God saves us from all those, those things that I listed. And we are saved for loving others, being merciful, serving other people. That's what we're being prayed for. And it says, God, turn around and make your face to shine upon us. We are eating the bread of tears. We're eating tears, God. Would you please do something, Lord? Now, the bread of tears is a very interesting term there in Psalm 80. The people who first heard this, the people who first heard this, they were probably thinking of the bread of presence. Now, the bread of presence is what they put in the tabernacle before they had the big old temple. They had a big tent, and they would put bread there, and it would, would remind them um, of their experiences in the past of God's nearness when they needed God. Now, literally in Hebrew, it means the bread of faces. God, we're eating our tears for bread. Send us the bread of your presence, the bread of faces. They hungered for God's face. And God's face, uh, and the, this is, is, is God just simply turning to God's people and being present once again. God, we feel your absence and we need your presence. We need your face here. And this is so resonant in Advent. We'll ask the hard, honest questions like we should do, just like Israel in the Psalms. Where is God in the midst of suffering? Why does God seem so far away at times? And if God loves us, why are things allowed to be as they are? And although the Psalms don't answer these deeply human questions, its words point to an equally human response, which is hope. Anger to God's presence to hope, which is why we lit this candle today. Hope is what we're given. Not blind optimism, hope. Hope in the restoring, life-giving power of God's presence, of God's love. God, out of love, came to us, this world, in the flesh. That's what we sang about, right? That's what we sang about. In Jesus, we see God's love in a human face, in the midst of all the world's pain. And because of all the world's pain, God's love has drawn us near to sustain, restore, and yes, save. So three things as we get closer. If we're to take Psalm 80 seriously. One, behold and beware. I'll keep saying that these next three Sundays. We'll keep saying that. Behold where God is presence in your midst. But beware of the things. Pay attention to your anger because your anger could be the place where God is leading you to act and to do something, right? Behold and beware. The second, be honest, find your reality, and be okay with a tacky prayer or two every now and then with God. God can take your anger because God has given you that anger and God can redeem it. Third thing, seek God's face. That's what Advent is all about. And God's face will be found in the craziest of places, right? In the most subtle of places. And we'll miss it. 
We'll miss it if we're not open to it, if we don't behold. So there's nothing wrong with tacky prayers. God can take your anger, empty your soul, give it to God. And in that space you've made when you've emptied and poured out your heart to God like Moses or like Sherry Felder, fill it with the bread and wine of Jesus Christ. Let your hunger and your emptiness find the fullness of God this Advent at this Advent table prepared for you. Bring all of you, every bit to this table, and you will find Christmas in its fullness this year. Hold on to your tacky prayers. Let us pray. Lord God, help us in our prayer life to be honest. Many of us, oh God, have, have quit praying, quit talking with you because maybe nobody ever gave us permission to, be, to give our, all of ourselves to you. But this Advent season, oh God, as we seek your presence in a lowly stable, help us, oh Lord, to be frank and honest, to give all of ourselves to you. And oh God, turn that anger into action and hope yet again within us. These things... We ask in Christ's name, amen.